Well, long before there were tweets and Facebook, humans expressed themselves through T-shirts. You announce to the world where you've been, who you are, who you cheer for, who you listen to, who you vote for. It's all about the T-shirt. If it matters to you, you would put it on a T-shirt. And so there are so many T-shirts in our history. Uh, we have sports T-shirts. One of my favorites is a Dr. Pepper T-shirt. And what T-shirt would you have that would go on that collection? What's your favorite graphic T-shirt? What's that? Hogwarts. Fleetwood Mac, that's a good one, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't see a Razorback shirt up there, so I'm not sure what's wrong with that one. Yeah. Yeah, Cardinals, that's true. We all have our favorite graphic tees, that's for sure. There are some typical, just our favorite graphic tees. There are some kind of out there graphic tees as well. You can see some of those right there. Yeah. The first graphic tee appeared in the 1939 movie, The Wizard of Oz. Maybe you remember that scene where the workers were putting together the scarecrow again, and they wore a green T-shirt with the white letters OZ. Wouldn't it be great to have one of those T-shirts? What would that cost, I wonder? Well, then the military began using graphic tees, and they had a, a T-shirt for every branch of the service, and they would use those in their training uh, programs. So decades before there was an old Navy, very proud veterans were wearing their Navy T-shirts. And then Life magazine had in 1942, uh, I think this was the first cover of a graphic, military graphic T-shirt, and it shows there the Air Force Gunnery School. And what was important about that particular T-shirt, it kind of showed the sex appeal that was associated with uh, graphic tees. And so companies began to realize the marketing potential for graphic T-shirts. The first political use of a graphic T-shirt was in 1948 pre presidential election between Thomas De Dewey and Missouri's uh, Harry Truman. Uh, Thomas Dewey lost that election, and I really think it was because of this T-shirt. Do it with Dewey. <laughs> that is just a really awkward T-shirt right there. I, I don't think I would vote for him either with that one. And in the, in the 80s and the 90s, the uh, Christian T-shirt world came to be. And uh, the Christian parody T-shirts... Uh, became so very popular. There are some of those that uh, maybe you wore. There's that Coca-Cola one again. Uh, Jesus, the King of Kings. Jesus meant to die. Uh, Jesus, heavenly devoted son. Uh, Jesus is King, the Burger King. And all of these parodies were knockoffs of a company. I don't know how, how Christian t-shirt companies got away without being sued by some of these other corporations that were using uh, those images. My personal favorite, and I wore this all the time, was Lord's Jim, his pain, your gain. Lord's Jim on the front, his pain, your gain on the back. The idea behind these Christian t-shirts was Christian evangelism. When you stand in line at the store, when you cheer for your kids at the soccer game, when you uh, work out at the gym, uh, when you walk the halls of your school, you are sowing the seeds of the gospel. And the idea behind that was you and your T-shirt may be the only Jesus anybody will ever see. 
you and your t-shirt may be the only Bible that anybody would ever read. But I wonder, as people read these t-shirts, what message we were sending by wearing them, what message people were receiving by us wearing them. So very quickly, here are just a couple of lessons that I learned about the whole Christian t-shirt boom in the 80s and in the 90s. First you guys ever see those people driving around? Oops, with a, I'm sorry. You guys ever see those people driving around? You guys ever see those people driving? You guys ever see those people driving around? You guys ever see those people driving around? You guys ever see those people driving around? Can I do this yet? All right, let's see where we are. There it is. First lesson about Christian t-shirts. If I wear it, I had better live it. I'm not going to put a Jesus bumper sticker on my car and then not use my blinker. Or drive in the left lane on the interstate, having people have to pass me on the right side. If I wear the t-shirt, if I have the Christian bumper sticker, I better live a Christian life. Uh, now then, I want to show you a clip, and we got a preview of that a moment ago. There was a Christian comedian that I really do like named Tim Hawkins, and he kind of blends the Christian bumper sticker world or the Christian t-shirt world with what we talked about last week, the WWJD. So if we've got that lined up, let's take a look at this comedian, uh, Tim Hawkins, and see what he says about this. You guys ever see those people driving around with the, the Darwin fish on the back of the car? You ever see that? Ooh. Mm. Then you see the Jesus people with the Jesus fish on the back of their car. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. <coughs> Y'all, the other day I saw this on a car. I saw a Jesus fish devouring a Darwin fish. <laughs> There's some good, solid biblical teaching for you. If somebody disagrees with you, eat them. <laughs> What would Jesus do? No, no, he wouldn't do that. And Jesus ate 20 Pharisees. No, that's in the Message Bible. That's not in the real translation. That is, it's not even the real. I do think the world gets pretty tired of people who have a, a Jesus bumper sticker or a fish on their trunk of their car or a Christian T-shirt on their bodies or... Christian's music on their playlist, Christian magazines on their coffee table, Christian jewelry hanging around their neck, but they're not expressing through their lives the very love of Jesus. If I wear it, I need to live it. Second thing I learn about Christian t-shirts is that clothes can cover more than just our body. Clothes can cover our souls, our hurts, our insecurities. There's a fashion designer named Robin Gavon who says, how much of fashion is fueled by insecurity, for better or worse? Now, sometimes our clothes hide what we're feeling and who we are on the inside. We look one way on the outside, but we feel something different on the inside. Let me introduce you to Jill. Jill was shopping with her mother to buy a, an outfit for a Christmas party at school. But she could not tell her mother what her dream dress was. She says this, I was around eight or nine years old, and I knew 
that boys like me weren't meant to be into that kind of stuff. So I kept it to myself. It says, by that point, I knew I was a girl, even before I first knew the term transgender. Because of the cultural pressure and opposition, Jill hid underneath the clothes her true self. So I dressed appropriately and grew up as the boy that society expected me to be. But because I wasn't happy or comfortable with myself, my grades at school suffered. She then went to college where she felt freer to dress on the outside what she knew she, she was on the inside, to be true to her identity. She said, I was now shopping in the women's section in shops and even started to grow my hair long. I felt alive. My studies improved, and I then graduated with honors from one of the top universities in the Philippines. Becoming my authentic self gave me the confidence to excel. Now, sometimes what we look like on the outside does not jive with who we are on the inside. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where we could be true to ourselves? No more hiding and no more pretending. No more wearing of masks. Where we can be who we are. Another thing I learned from the Christian t-shirt world is that Honestly, clothes can send a message. Uh, clothes do project somewhat of who we are in, in some way. Uh, I'm more of a flashy dresser. Denise is more of a reserved dresser, and I'm not sure exactly what that says about us. I'm the, we're both introverts, but I just like to put it out there sometime for some reason. Denise is really expanding herself today, though. She's got a, a graphic T-shirt on, so uh, yeah. Clothes can send a message. Some of us will remember Madeleine Albright. She was the first female Secretary of State. And she often wore these, I'm going to pronounce it, brooch or brooch, or pins, let's call them pins, on her clothes to uh, symbolize or to project a message that she wanted to send while she was giving a speech. At one point, Saddam Hussein, many of us remember him from couple of decades ago, uh, leader of Iraq, Saddam Hussein called Madeleine Albright a serpent. So every time she dealt with Iraq, this is what she wore. She wore a brooch in the form of a snake. Now, our clothes do communicate a message. I typed in the Google search bar, in preparation for today, what do your clothes say about you? And no joke, there were about 2 billion, 150 million results to that question, and I read each one of them. Uh, and the bottom line is, yeah, clothes can send a message, but the message that I want us to focus on today, I don't want to get hung up on clothes. Um, I kind of got over that a long time ago. I want us to focus upon the clothes that are written about by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. It's found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. I want us to read through that today through a method 
that was developed in the fourth century by uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa. Uh, some of us have heard of the Nicene Council, and that's the, the word Nyssa there. I like St. Gregory a lot. He is one of the most vocal advocates and spokesmen for the universal reconciliation view of the afterlife that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when I talked about uh, different views of hell. So I've, I've been a follower of St. Gregory since my seminary days. And he came up with a way of reading scripture that I want to introduce to you today. That is something that I do in my own personal time, but it also can be in a public way of reading scripture. It's called Lectio Divina, meaning divine reading. So here's what I want us to do. I, I invite you, if you will participate with me in this, just to sit very comfortably, uh, whatever way is comfortable, your legs crossed, your legs on the floor, uh, eyes closed, your eyes op open, it doesn't make any difference. Some of your eyes are already closed and you're sleeping, and I don't want to interrupt that, but that's just fine. Maybe you want to symbolically uh, put your hands with the palms up on your lap just to metaphorically, uh, your, your mind listens to your body a lot, and just to be willing and ready to receive whatever gift God wants to give you through this. And to the best of your ability, remove from your mind your plans for this afternoon, any agenda, any worries. It's hard to do, I realize. And then one way that we can do that is just to refocus on something else and to remove from your mind the thoughts right now and so that your mind can be filled with these thoughts. I'm going to read this passage, and as I read, I want you to listen contemplatively and meditatively for a word or a phrase that speaks to you at that moment, just something within you lightens up uh, and you feel a nudge. Uh, and when you feel that nudge or something just sounds resonating to your spirit, just sit with that for a few moments. I'll read this passage three times total. For this first time, just listen for a word or a phrase that speaks especially to you. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ to which you were called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell richly among you. If you're willing to be so bold, will you tell the entire group what word or phrase may have stood out to you? Put on 
It's a verb. Put it on like your clothes. You are a chosen one. Peace of Christ. In unity. Put on love. Gentleness. And this one over here to my left. Bear with each other. Patience. What was that? Let. Okay. Mm-hmm. Give. All right. Let's come back. I'm going to read it again. And this time, ask yourself, what is God saying to me in these words? What feelings am I experiencing as these are words are read? Am I feeling hope? Am I feeling a little guilt? Am I feeling... Sadness. Just identify your feeling as I read these. And share these feelings with God. Be honest. Be open. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. And above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell richly among you. As I read it a final time, I want you to rest in God's love and acceptance of you. Ask, what gift is God giving me in this passage? To what action is God calling me right now? What clothes will I put on? Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful that the words of Christ dwell richly among you. Amen. Back in the 80s and 90s when I was wearing Christian t-shirts, Caruso was one of the biggest t-shirt makers and they had this motto, 
Change your shirt, change the world. I don't know if the shirts really had that kind of power. But I really do think and I wonder if people who, if just the people who claim to be Christians would put on the clothes in the closet of the Colossians, what a difference would be made in our world. If just the people who claimed, the people who are sitting in churches today, if we would all go to that closet and put on those clothes, what a difference there would be. I don't see one article of clothing in this passage of judgment. There's no shirt of condemnation. There is no pair of pants of hate. There is no division. There is no accusation in that closet. Every garment is positive. Every garment is loving. Why are we not wearing those? Why are we wearing these Christian t-shirts on the outside, but we're not wearing these clothes that Paul mentions on the inside? Whitney Esquivel, who's on our staff, she's in charge of our social media, and she has uh, defined her own job description as the minister of disruption. It's fitting. I like it. She created an, and posted a cartoon for our Facebook uh, this week and recognized that she didn't just post this. She actually created it. Here it is. Should I wear this Christian T-shirt, Jesus? Well, to what end, Josh? Obviously, so people will know I am a Christian. Well, let's see if they can figure that out by your kindness, grace, and love instead. Is that not just great? Is that not just the clearest message that we could hear today? One person who, of the many who commented on Whitney's cartoon this week made this comment, but T-shirts are way easier, Jesus. Let's not settle for T-shirt Christianity for T-shirt spirituality. Let's go with the Jesus clothes that Paul has talked about. Let's pray. And if we have any questions, we'll entertain some of those. Our Father, I do thank you so very much for the, the clothing that you have provided for us. I thank you that you communicated to us through Paul's letter of what we really need to be putting on every day. I ask that you will help me do that. And I ask that you will equip all of us and clothe all of us every moment of the day with those items upon which we meditated. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.